with the greatest hit today, number nine. In our summer countdown is 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The context for this verse includes 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 18. Listen to God's word. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more, more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Praise God. Well, when I shared with the kids about my personal experience of breaking something in the kitchen. Could you identify? Has that ever happened to you? Something like that, where something you treasured, it dropped, or somehow you mishandled it, and it fell to the ground, and it broke. Well, if you have an experience of that, you have an inside track into understanding the true meaning of our greatest hit number nine in the survey. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. You know, it says something powerful about this congregation, that in your top ten verses, you know, you might have expected that the top ten would be only the ones that feature our personal power, our personal greatness, maybe positive thinking and the our powers of, of making our lives be the way we want them to be. Kind of with the soundtrack of, of uh, Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way in, in the background. That we would use scripture in that way. That those are our favorites. That we, that we turn into these self-motivators. But it just so happens that the first two verses we've looked at in this countdown have to do with our experience of weakness. 
or our struggles. And that we've found God's word to be meaningful to us in those moments. The context of this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 are the Apostle Paul's hardships as he traveled the Mediterranean planting churches and also gaining enemies and detractors along the way. For one reason or another, if you want to dig deep into, uh, into the Apostle Paul's uh, challenges as he carried out his ministry of really being the primary person who was establishing the church throughout the Mediterranean area, you can read not only 1st and 2nd Corinthians, but also the book of Acts, which we are going to study in our Sunday morning adult education class this coming fall. But in this passage, Paul is referring to himself and his co-workers who are spreading the gospel of Jesus. And he's sharing with them what he's been sharing with them all along and as he will continue to share with them in his second letter to the Corinthians that they have been vulnerable to suffering. Yes, even to undeserved criticism and judgment. They have been, as the, the scripture passage says, they've been hard-pressed. They've been perplexed. They've been persecuted. They've been struck down. But the message of this verse, and in, truly in this particular passage, verses 7 through 18 of chapter 4, the message is that God can work in and through their common humanity, their frailty, the way that they are vulnerable to violence or vulnerable to personal attacks. And beyond this, Paul claims and is audacious enough to claim that God actually chose for this to be the path so that in our imperfect lives, his power would shine all the brighter against that backdrop. One thing is for sure, there is no mistaking the treasure for its container in what Paul is saying here. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This has always been almost that test of leadership in the church that, that we're, we're challenged, you know, whether it's a pastor or an elder or a deacon in whatever church, is that we seek to, for people to see Jesus through our words and our actions and not just call attention to ourselves. More on that. But what is the treasure that's being spoken of here? We have this treasure in clay jars. I find it interesting that the Greek word for treasure is thesaurus. So, so some of you are, are well-versed in using a thesaurus, and that is a treasury of words that you might use uh, that gives you maybe a, just a different uh, uh, variety from what maybe you were planning on using. So it's a, it's a treasury of words, synonyms, etc. Um, but thesaurus is a treasury. 
And what is this treasure? Well, you have to go to the verses just preceding our passage to hear what Paul is referring to. Because he says, but we have this treasure. What treasure is it? So if we read back, we read these verses. Verses 5 and 6. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. This treasure, this sense of God's presence among us that brings us light, the light of God's glory as it's shown in the very face of Jesus Christ, his son. It leads us to consider how have we experienced the light of Christ in our lives. And going into verse 7, how have we experienced the all-surpassing power of God in the midst of our lives? But as clay jars, we have to think further on this question. How have we experienced the light of Christ and the all-surpassing power of God in the midst of our broken lives, in the midst of our weaknesses, in the midst of our human frailty? Jars of clay we are. Jars of clay is known to many younger generations of Christians who are now getting older by the minute. As the name of a Christian band, one of the highest-selling Christian rock bands of all time, uh, they made their debut in 1995 on their self-titled album, and they have had multiple Grammy-winning albums, and they are one of the top-selling Christian uh, contemporary groups of all time. And yes, their name is based on this verse. So when they emerged on the scene, I remember when people were asking the question, why are they called jars of clay? Well, it led them, as a Christian group, it led them to explain where it came from. And it came from this verse. This, number nine, on our countdown. In the King James Version, which some of us are familiar with uh, in terms of these favorite verses, uh, it's... Jars of clay is rendered earthen vessels, earthenware, clay. This is, these are usable items that are inherently fragile, inferior, and expendable. They are vulnerable to being broken. They are easily chipped or cracked. And in the first century, this was the common wear. Now, they did have other options. So just in case we wondered if, if Paul's referring to just any kind of dish or cup that, that, or vessel that was used in that time, that's not the case. Because some have some uh, items that were made at that time, you can still see them in museums. And you probably have, right? You've, you've read Ode to a Grecian Urn, and if you've been to a museum, you've seen plenty of, of Grecian urns that have been fired 
and, and have been uh, ornately decorated and that they have stood the test of time. Now, they still, if you drop them from hand level, they will smash into a million pieces, most likely. But Paul could have highlighted us as we are like an exquisitely crafted Grecian urn that will last for two millennia if we're just careful. Paul could have said we are like a bronze vessel. There were bronze vessels, metal, that, that could really stand up to a beating. And then there were those gold inlaid goblets where that soft, precious metal was made into something that people recognized as having high value inherently within it. But for all the technological innovation between then and now, isn't it amazing how our kitchens are filled with breakable objects? Objects that shatter when dropped. Ceramic plates and coffee mugs, glass cups and stemware, and of course, stoneware baking pans. That Pampered Chef is no longer selling, by the way. The replacement came from eBay. There may be more durable and attractive, or these ones may be more durable and attractive than common first century pottery, but we know that they can meet the same fate. And so the point for all of us comes across loud and clear. We, our lives, are being compared to something that can shatter. And that causes us to look within at our own story. How do we experience human vulnerability? What is our, what is our experience of human weakness been? How do we experience brokenness? And yet, even though clay jars are vulnerable to breaking... They are sufficient for the job of holding what they are designed to hold. And they serve that significant purpose of presenting its contents. And what is within our vulnerable lives is the all surpassing power of God, the light of Christ. I mentioned earlier that you can see incredible uh, items used in kitchens past in museums of antiquity. You think of the world's great museums and, and you go into uh, maybe the front desk or the area where you buy your ticket and then you get a map and the map shows you different rooms on the different floors of the different eras of history, and maybe one place that has a painting, and then this place has pottery, for instance, and this is, these are the metal arts over here. Our text puts our human weakness on display, and so let's take a quick tour of this museum display. I think a couple of the rooms that would be on the map that we pick up at the entrance would be, first of all, the room of physical brokenness. I was the representative in my family of origin. We, my parents had five kids. I was the middle child. And I was also the one who broke the first major bone. 
it, I don't remember it personally, but evidently we were jumping up and down on my parents' bed, which, right, every kid hat does, but evidently I jumped and fell off and I broke my leg when I was two years old. And my memory of that was the fact that my mom kept the cutoff cast and put it with all of my childhood mementos. And it was only recently, I can tell you, it was like three years ago, we were going through a, a clean out of our stuff, and I finally said, you know what, I need to just take a picture of this and archive it, and I need to just let that go. Um, but many of us uh, have experienced physical brokenness and are experiencing that right now. We fracture bones. We our, our bodies can be broken. Our minds can slip where once there were sharp gears that turned and no longer. And it takes up, as, as we deal with our physical brokenness, it takes up so much of our time and energy, doesn't it? It dominates our life at times. And then just when we're about ready to say we're back to full strength, it's usually not long before we're reminded that we can be broken physically again. Think of this in terms of disease as well. I mean, what have we learned in this global pandemic that, by the way, we're still in? Man, it's frustrating, isn't it? We are vulnerable. Vulnerable to sickness, to cancer, to illness, to injury, to accident. God made us. God created us out of the dust of the earth, out of the clay of the earth, and said, this is good. It's by God's design. God smiles and is pleased at us being clay vessels. But there are limitations, and there are frustrations that go along with that. Jars of clay, indeed. Yet God works healing in natural ways and through special intervention. Broken bones can heal. Some of us have experienced getting COVID and healing from COVID. We have had the benefit of a vaccine that does that, that battle in that place of weakness at a microscopic level. And yet, we still carry our finiteness with us to the very end. And yet, it's not the end, is it? Because here, even through eternal life, we are reminded in verse 18 of this passage that we look not at just what we can see, but what is unseen. Because that treasure is not limited to our finite experience, but it is from beyond our experience, that which is eternal. So we have our physical brokenness. Well, in the next room, we might actually amble over to the room that is called the worry room. The worry room. This has to do with our emotions and 
the, the vulnerability that we feel. Just like I mentioned in the children's message, yes, we can break bones in our body, but we can also have broken hearts. We can struggle with fragile emotions. We can experience debilitating mental illness. We face obstacles, and we wonder, and we worry, and we fret about how we might overcome that obstacle. And sometimes it bleeds over, our worry does, into our relationships, and it causes stress. Jars of clay in that room, for sure. Yet God's peace works powerfully in anxious people as they cast all their cares upon the Lord. And we could go on and on, but, but because we are approaching the table of our Lord, we'll make sure we don't miss the one room that we need to visit in order to really understand what this sacrament is all about. And that is the display on human sin. When we miss the mark in living our God-created lives, when we show the opposite to others, opposite from the fruit of God's Spirit, when we are impatient rather than patient, when we are cruel rather than kind, different, different aspects of broken clay jars are displayed throughout that room in that museum. And we can all find something we identify with there. And yes, connecting with the message of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, this includes people who are called to leadership in the church, like myself as a pastor, but like the elders and the deacons that we together ordained and installed last week. Sometimes this comes as a surprise, but it shouldn't, because we are still jars of clay. And yet God's forgiveness and restoration through Christ and his sacrifice on the cross that we celebrate and receive at the table of our Lord, this works powerfully in broken people. This is the heart of the message and meaning of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what we receive from the Lord when we partake in communion. So be encouraged. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 is a reminder, really a reassurance, that God can work powerfully in our broken places. And in fact, we might even be stronger in those broken places. Because it's at that point of brokenness that it might become evident to us that what's really, what really matters there is the treasure that is operating within. Therefore, we do not lose hope the Apostle Paul writes in verse 16, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes on what, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen 
is eternal. Amen.